Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Today's guest on the show is Annie Reichert, Annie Star on Instagram. This is her second time on the show. The first is one of my favorites of all time. Um, if you don't follow Annie, you don't know who she is, make sure that you do. She is possibly the world's number one water woman right now. Uh, she competes on the Big Wave World Tour. Since the last time uh, being on the show, she won the Toe Award at the Red Bull Magnitude Contest over last winter. Um she placed third at the Jaws Big Wave Championships in 2019, and she's the first woman ever to foil the Kawi Channel. I apologize for probably ruining that, but uh, between Molokai and Oahu. So she's un- unbelievable, and I think that you guys are going to love this conversation. Before we dive in, a couple notes. The project with Unifoil is going incredibly well. I've kind of ghosted social feeds. I'm not posting right now just because we've been doing so much testing and I want my focus to be on the feel of the foil, not necessarily progression. So it means that I'm I'm taking on water time in a little different way. And I want to, I think we're very close to, to being satisfied with where everything is. There's another prototype in the mail right now. And I don't know if it's going to be better. I, I think that where we're at right now is unbelievable. And the folks who have ridden the foil are stoked on it. And I'm just overjoyed, just beyond stoked and grateful that been able to do this project and to work with Cliffy, who I think is one of the best designers in the sport. It's an incredible process. He's going to come back on the show soon. And we're going to talk about the process of, of how we arrived at um, the foil that, that we're working on yet to be named, or at least not releasing the name yet. And the, the iterative process of, you know, I was very, I had a lot of, a lot of thoughts about what I wanted to get and what I think foils had been missing, uh, especially for, for what I do. And, and this is not going to be a big wave foil. It is a foil that is designed to surf two to three foot, four foot, uh, waves, um, to shore runners and to downwind to kind of be a jack of all trades without compromise in that arena. So smaller energy, shorter period energy, but to have the glide needed to do shore runners and downwinders and then not sacrifice in the surf. And I think we're there. I'm stoked. Like I, I think we're there. So unreal. Stay tuned for how that project is going. And and I can say 100% now that it is going to be a foil that will be released. Feedback has been insane. So yeah, frothing. Uh, before we dive in, quick thanks to folks who support the podcast. Uh, Big Wins, as always, TJ at Big Wins. If you guys need anything, any foil gear, hit up TJ. Or if you've got questions about winging or downwinding, guy's a legend and he can steer you in the right direction. 
Jim Stringfellow is always sending new goodies for the No Limits mast and No Limits. And that's been very fun to test. You know, on the Takuma setups, I've been testing different angles. He's, he's created a few different fuses for the No Limits to mount Takuma that allow different angles of attack. And so that's been brilliant to test just how, you know, I think that you lose a little bit with base plate shimming. There's a little bit of flex that is added into the system, a little bit of compression and being able to get rid of that, go to a direct feel. Um, I actually like his fuses more than I like the no limits or the, uh, the Takuma fuses. So unreal there. And then he's got a Cabrina adapter. So it's a Takuma mount to the mast and then cabrina so if you guys are riding cabrina and want to get on a stiffer mast you can do that as well um as always dave kalama dave got me into downwinding one of the my favorite things on the on the planet and i am fired up that there's finally a barracuda headed my way so i cannot wait to get on that and from what everyone's been telling me i'll be able to drop foil size in the same conditions and that's going to be unreal because once i'm up i don't I want to be on something that's pretty fast and nimble. And right now I'm a little bit limited uh, to riding a little bit bigger foil just so I'm sure I'm going to pop up because I hate being out there and having to struggle a little bit. So I'm probably upsizing a little bit more than I need to right now. And so as soon as that Barracuda comes, I believe that that is over. Uh, North Kites, North Foils just sent me insane package, just absolutely bonkers what they sent over. And I have to say that I'm frothing on their high aspect foils. I think for downwinding, they're going to be great. Uh, for wing, they're going to be insane. The Nova wings look amazing. Uh, I got to feel the five meter un- unreal and stoked on that. So thank you very much, Mike North. And you'll hear more about that as I get to test more. There hasn't been great conditions lately for that so and then grab nuts the um, i don't know if you guys have seen these but they are nuts that go into your board and then you can anchor them in place so there's a little hex screw that you can screw down anchor them in place that's cool because once you get your foil set up you don't have to to worry about getting to the right position again and then hydrofoil screws uh, you can get them at customwingscrews.com they are wing nut that allow you to adjust the foil in the water, which I love. So with how much I have been testing right now on the new uni foil that we're designing, uh, I'm moving the foil a whole lot just to make sure that it's, you know, like the placement is right and getting everything dialed and, and I don't have to come back to the beach. So it's saving me a lot of time. So thanks guys on that. And then Daniel foil parts, Cabrina, the, the new tail, um, adapter. So custom tails on the Cabrina setup with the foilparts.com um, custom fuse. So thank all you guys for the support. Anyone else who wants me to check stuff out, just let me know. I'd love to. I'm stoked on it and hope everyone's scoring and awesome. Enjoy the show with Annie. Later. Annie, thanks for coming back on the show. How have you been? I've been good. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. It's it's great to be here again. Yeah. You know, watching your journey since the last time we talked, which was probably about a year ago, has been epic. Like, you had an incredible year. 
Yeah, it's been really fun. I think so much has happened since the last time I talked to you. We had the whole winter season on Maui, which was really eventful and fun. It was a little bit slower in terms of waves, but for me, I had the best rides of my life. And then I also switched over on the lift foils and figuring out those foils has been a game changer for me. And it's been so fun to kind of experiment with them and all of the different conditions on Maui. And so, yeah, it's been, it's, there's a lot been happening, but I'm really excited. Well, we're going to spend a lot of time on foiling, but let's start on what you did this winter because, I mean, you were competing on the biggest stage in the world and excelling, and it was phenomenal. I mean, in the accolades I think you received over the winter, how did you prep going into the season? I know that you're taking it extremely seriously. What did the run-up to winter look like for you? And then what are the big challenges that you face going into that? I would be incredibly intimidated. Like what you're doing is mind blowing. I think there's a couple big factors that come into play. There's two, two things that I focus on. I think it's the physical side and then the mental side of things. And honestly, like sometimes the mental side is more important than being physically prepared. And so I think the beginning of last winter, I was like really going into it. Like with a good kind of mentality, just like, okay, I'm going out there. I'm going to give it my all at this point. Like I think commitment in big wave is one of the most important parts. Cause if you're not committed, that's, what's going to like, that's, what's going to get you really pounded or in like kind of sticky situations. And so for me, it was a lot about preparing my head and just getting myself into a place that I felt confident with what I was going out to do. And I think in terms of like the physical and the training, I was foiling a lot, which definitely helps. I was going to the gym and doing land sports. I love to bike and I love to run. And then I kind of think like, for me, I do a lot of like breath hold training and stuff, but also just doing all the sports that I do in the ocean really helps prepare me for the big wave thing. So I really did go into the winter feeling confident just because I felt like I was in good shape and kind of a good headspace from all of the sports that I was doing all summer. But it definitely is nerve wracking, I think, because for me, like each winter I go into, I'm still so new at all of this, that there's just a whole new set of kind of like fears that I have and things that I'm kind of trying to get used to and stuff. And so this winter more than ever, like my previous winter, I had some good waves, but I wasn't really like excited about it. And so I was like, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Like this is the winter I want to go into and change things. And I want to step up my game. And so hindsight, I'm really glad that I feel like I did that for me. I reached a lot of personal goals and I did a lot of things I wanted to do. So it was all in all a really good winter and I'm happy with how it turned out. You mentioned fears going into the winter what were your biggest fears? And are those the same fears or stumbling points? I don't know if they're stumbling points, but coming out, I mean, were there some things that you were afraid of that maybe weren't as big of a deal or things that you didn't foresee going in that you are like, Oh, this is, you know, next season, this is what I'm training for. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a couple, yeah. New ones that I kind of found. And then I think the main ones for me that honestly, I've always like dealt with is just like the fear of failure is a big one because I think, I'm so new and there's like, there's so many amazing guys and girls in the lineup when you paddle out to a place like Jaws and I'm still trying to prove myself. And so, yeah, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed and yeah, it's fear of failure. I really don't want to be the one out there who can't catch a wave or the one who just goes straight and gets pounded. I want to prove myself that I want to be one of the best people out there and that I deserve to surf in a lineup like Jaws. And so I think at the beginning of every winter, I've kind of had that like mental struggle just because I want to prove to myself and to the world that I have earned my place out there. 
Um, and so I think no matter what, honestly, that feeling will kind of creep up to me at the beginning of each winter. And it's just something I kind of have to push down and tell myself, like you put in the time, you put in the training, you deserve to be out here. And then I think also just the fear of, I think just being in waves like, like that, it's, there's a fear and an excited feeling that you get from doing that. I think it's like a balancing act kind of to navigate that line. But for me, definitely this winter made me feel more confident because I took off in places that I wasn't used to. I took off in deeper positions and I got barreled and all this stuff. And I took beatings that I didn't know I could truly handle. So I think it definitely kind of gave me a good confidence boost just to know I am capable of handling myself in a more kind of extreme conditions than what I did in previous years. It's interesting that the mental feel fears, the excess acceptance is a bigger concern than the physical fears. Because when I look at waves like that, the amount of consequence that you're excited about going into, like I've never, I grew up in Florida. I've never been like a big wave surfer. I've surfed, you know, some bigger waves, never really been comfortable, never had the time in bigger surf to feel like I was comfortable. And so that's what I have a hard time wrapping my mind around is how are you sitting out there and you're comfortable in that surf to where you can be worried about, you know, whether or not you're excelling. I mean, I think that's really kind of a really beautiful place to be able to get to. Yeah. I think being out there definitely like the first time I ever paddled out to Jaws, there was that nervous feeling like, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. This is something I've always wanted to do, but this wave is one of the most dangerous waves in the entire world. And then I think the more time I've spent out there, I wouldn't say it's like a level of comfort because it's hard to be comfortable in a place that's so intense all the time, but it's definitely kind of just a level of like enjoyment in a weird way. Like I do paddle out there and I'm very aware that what I'm going to do and what I'm going to put myself out into is incredibly dangerous. But at the same time, there's kind of like a level of excitement for me. And yeah, I think sitting out in that lineup, even though I know like when you paddle into a wave, it's not going to be just like a easy takeoff straight to the channel. There's something about it that just brings me back over and over again. And I think it's a weird thing. And I'm sure with like you and the surfing that you've done and the foiling you've done, it's a feeling that we all get. And for me, that's one of the ways that I find it in big wave surfing. And I find it in foiling constantly too. So it's just kind of like searching for that feeling that we get when we're on that wave. And that's one of the places that I can truly find it. Did you start surfing bigger waves at a young age? My son is 13 right now. And when he was young, he started paddling out to outer reefs in Costa Rica with me, you know, seven, eight years old. And his demeanor in the water I mean, he's like an ice man. Like he's so, so chill. It doesn't matter. I mean, he can, his breath hold is actually kind of a funny story. You might appreciate this. Like he always used to work on breath hold when he was like, you know, eight, nine years old. And so some kids at school dared him. They like did a breath hold contest and he held his breath until he passed out. <laughs> he won by like a minute and a half, but he just wouldn't stop. And <laughs> he just passed out, like scared me as a dad. But did you find comfort in that? Like, were you surfing bigger waves at a younger age? First of all, that is amazing. That story about your son is hilarious. He's a determined little guy. But yeah, I did. I think for me, like, I always wanted to surf Jaws. It was always something that I had in the back of my mind. Like, wow, like, look at that wave. Because I would go down to the cliff with my dad when I was younger and watch it. And it would just blow me away every time. And then 
I always wanted to do it, but I wasn't sure if I'd ever really be in the place and like the physical, like I didn't have like the confidence that I wanted to go out there. You know, I was a little kid at the time and I surfed head high waves sometimes on the North shore, but mostly on Maui's like gentle West side. And so I wasn't ever really sure I'd be confident enough to paddle out to a wave like that. But when I was around 13 years old, I believe. So yeah, about this age of your son. Now I started paddling out to the outer reefs of Maui with my friends, my dad, pretty much whoever I could get to go out there with me. And that's how I kind of first started getting a feel for big waves. And I think hindsight, I'd probably look back at what I was surfing back then. And it's probably like a barely overhead wave. But for me, like that feeling of dropping into a wave like that is the same feeling that I get when I go out to Jaws. So that's what first kind of led me into knowing like, wow, like I think if I work hard enough at this big wave surfing is something that I can do. And it's something that I really want to do. And then I just slowly progressed every swell that was big. I started working myself up and getting into bigger conditions. And then finally, when I was 17 years old, Paige Alms took me out to Jaws for the first time. That's where I kind of was like, wow, like this is something that I really want to do. Like now that I've kind of gone to that level of extreme, I know that this is what I want and this is what fulfills me. And this is what really gets me excited to be on the water and train. It's so, so epic. Do you have routines that you go through as you see sets approaching? Are you doing certain breath work, working up? I tend to do those things in bigger surf or even ahead of like foil runs now, because I know that they're going to be so taxing from a cardio perspective. I kind of have a minute, minute and a half, two minute routine I'll do before I set off on a downwind or something like that. Do you have any of those routines? In the downwinding, not as much. I think for me, it's more just kind of, I'm just so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to get out there and go. But I think in terms of the big wave surfing, definitely, there's like a lot of stuff going through your mind at all times. And I think one of the most important things you can do in big waves and just in scenarios that you're kind of in a very extreme environment is to kind of just wipe your mind, clear your mind, and just focus on being in the moment and really like being aware of what's going on around you. And so, yeah, like if I am at Jaws and there's like a big set approaching, like, last winter, there was like one set that was like, it was posted all over the like internet and stuff, but it was one that like took out I'd say like 90% of the jaws lineup, a bunch of guys got two wave hold downs. It was pretty oh. extreme, but I was out there for that set and I saw it coming. And fortunately I made it over. I was kind of sitting on the West bowl at jaws, which is a little bit on the inside. And so it's a lot easier to get to the channel when you sit there. And so I paddled over it, but as you see those lines on the horizon where it looks like you're like about to have to paddle up Mount Everest and you're never going to be able to make it over. I'm definitely like taking really deep breaths and kind of preparing myself like, okay, like if a wave does land on you, you're going to have to be able to like keep your cool and know that you've trained for this and you hold your breath. So I think it's just kind of like in the moment, really remembering all the training you've put in over the years and just like, okay, no matter what bad situation you get in, you've put the time in that you can survive this. How do you equate big wave surfing mental states to foiling mental states? I think for me, one of the kind of biggest ways that I relate the two is just that when you're out foiling and when you're out in big waves, you're just immersed in nature to the fullest extent. And I find that with like with shortboarding and all that stuff. But I think like for foiling and big wave surfing, like when you're out in big waves, the water is in charge of what's going on. And then when you're foiling, I think usually you're in an environment where there aren't that many people around and you're enjoying the wave with a couple of friends or you're downwinding and you're just kind of so immersed in the ocean. And I think foiling is really cool because you really utilize the energy of 
the ocean and what's surrounding you. And in big waves, it's the exact same way. And I think I kind of relate the two in a similar way. And if I could pick two sports that I love the most, it would probably be big wave surfing and foiling just because I feel, excuse me, I feel like I get those feelings the most when I'm out there doing the two of those. Yesterday, I had this thought about downwinding and I was thinking about my mind tends to get weirdly philosophical every once in a while. And (laughs) I was thinking about theory of relativity and mm-hmm. as you approach the speed of light, time slows down. And the reason it's doing that is because your relative speed to the waveform of light is my understanding of it, probably bastardizing it, but <laughs> it slows down. And so that you're moving along with the speed of light or closer to it. And then I was thinking about that in the context of downwinding. And there's like, it's so weird to me as you paddle out for a downwinder, the ocean is so chaotic, generally speaking, you know, here in Florida, it's usually 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. It's, you know, somewhat choppy and disorganized. It's a day that you'd never really go out and surf. Mm -hmm. And, but then when you take off and you're moving at the same pace of all the waves, it's almost like time somewhat stops similar to like the time in, in relativity. And it was kind of like a, an interesting thought because it's just like, everything that seemed so so chaotic starts to make a lot of sense as you're moving with the energy instead of letting the energy pass you by or sitting there without moving with the energy. Do you have any interesting, profound thoughts that have happened to you downwinding? It's such a interesting duration. You know, you're up on foil 10, 20 minutes, whatever, 30 minutes. I tend to always have like interesting thoughts during or after. Yeah. I mean, first of all, yeah, what you said was very profound and I totally agree. I think for me, like, honestly, that might be one of the biggest similarities I can find between the foiling, between the big waves. Like when you're in that moment and you hit that mentality where it all just melts away and time does seem to stand still, like two seconds can seem like a lifetime and everything just falls into place right in front of you. And that is something I find with the downwinding and with the big wave surfing. But for me, like when I am downwind, it's one of the best feelings in the entire world. And I think it's rare because when we're out here foil surfing or doing any of the sports, like you are up foiling for a while, especially if you have a bigger foil on, you're able to pump around. But I think downwinding is so special because you're pretty engaged the entire time you're out riding. Like if you do it right and you can figure it out, you're going to be up on foil the entire time, which is a pretty rare feeling. And so I think it is really easy to get your head into such like a meditative space almost. And for me recently, I've been going out and I kind of feel like downwinding fixes a lot of the problems that I have. Like when I'm out on the water, a lot of the issues that I might have on land, like whether it's like social things or just like whatever, they all kind of melt away. Or I seem to find answers to the problems that I may or may not have been having. And so I think for me, like I can go out like being stressed about something and I'll paddle out from Maliko Gulf on a downwinder and get up and head down the coast and everything kind of just melts away. And I realize like, you know, all the things on land that might be stressing someone out or making someone really worked up. Like when you get on the water and really like realize how blessed we are to be able to go out and do this, it really kind of makes all those small problems just completely melt away. And it makes me so grateful and thankful for the time that I can spend on the water. And I found that downwinding is one of the things that really makes me realize that the most, just because I feel like you do have to be so in the moment. And then when you're up and foiling, it's such a beautiful thing and you can kind of really find that flow and it can be really effortless at times too. So yeah, I've had some thoughts recently just because I've been doing it so much and it's been really kind of fun to recognize that. Yeah. The, 
one of the things that I think is a similarity between big wave surfing and downwinding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have experience in what you <laughs> surfing, is that I don't think there's a lot of like true adventure left in what humans do. And I kind of always feel, at least when I go on downwind runs, I mean, generally I'm by myself, I'm paddling farther than I'm usually comfortable out into the middle of the ocean and then sending it, you know, three, five, eight miles down the coast. And it feels like it's like you're on an adventure and it feels good when you get back in. Hopefully you've done a great job and it's been a chill run. And I was trying to explain that to my wife the other day. She was asking like why I like it so much. And I mean, I love prone foiling is probably still my favorite foiling discipline, but I always come back from the downwind runs really happy, like really psyched on life. And I think it's the adventure component. Does that resonate? Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. In terms of the big wave surfing, I agree too. I think like they are both complete adventures. You go out into the ocean expecting one thing and the ocean is going to do whatever it wants with you. And that might not exactly happen. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of the downwinding, that's what makes it so fun is yeah, you start at point A to point B and you kind of, it's like, okay, go out and get yourself to this destination and good luck doing it. Let's hope you can figure it out. I think that sense of adventure is super cool. And Yeah. I always find that in my foiling career, the most stuff always seems to go wrong on downwinders. (laughs) So I think that really adds a sense of adventure just because, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get and you have to go out there and be prepared for any, anything to happen. And yeah, once you get to that beach and you successfully make a run, it's the best feeling ever. Cause you're like, I just went out there. Yeah. In open ocean and deep blue water and I made it and I came to the beach and it was a really amazing experience. And so I think that sense of adventure and just kind of like wildness is definitely there. It was actually pretty funny. Recently, I've been teaching a couple of my friends who are professional surfers how to foil and I took one of them out on a jet ski and we were downwinding and stuff. And he's like, how do you do this? Like, it's so scary. The water's so blue and it's so deep and you're just out here. Like in the middle of the ocean, just doing this. And he's so used to being in more shallow water where there's reef and waves and stuff. And so I think for me, sometimes I don't really pay attention to how amazing it is to be so far out there doing that. But when someone came up and said that to me, I was like, yeah, like now that you mentioned that it is really cool to think about that's what we're doing and you know, that we're out there and that it is such a kind of crazy adventure and experience to, to be a part of. Yeah. And I always seem to see such incredible sea life while I'm out there as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you pass sharks or sometimes dolphins will, you know, ride the same bump as you or big sea turtles. I always think that's so neat. Um, Yeah. No, the past few weeks, the water on Maui has been just so beautiful because the North Shore finally kind of flattened out. And so the water clarity has been amazing. And so it's really easy to like go and get to see all these creatures. Yeah. I've seen, I think in the past like month of downwinding, I think I've seen like three sharks, hundreds of turtles, probably. I saw an eagle ray once. And then one of my favorite things, they are a little bit scary, but the Malolos, the flying fish here in Maui, it's really cool because you'll be downwinding and they kind of like also coast like sidewind or downwind with you by you. And it's really fun because you can kind of see like, I know like the early Nash foils were named Malolo. And when I'm out there, I'm like, I get that. That was actually a pretty good name title for that first foil. That's awesome. Um, I hit a shark yesterday for the first time. Not bad. I was winking. <laughs> I was like doing like a weird kind of, I wanted a downwind, but it wasn't quite on. So I just winged upwind and then kind of did a downwind wing run back to the house and on my upwind leg is only about a three and a half foot 
little like black tip, cool looking little shark, just finding his own business, just getting spun. And I saw him and I got high enough to where I just barely, I didn't come off foil. I barely hit him, but I felt terrible like for the rest of the day. I've had that happen before where I did hit a turtle once and I like almost cried. I felt so bad. And then of course, like I was downwinding when it happened and like, it was kind of later in the evening. And so like the sun was shining in my face and I couldn't really see, but I, I fell off foil. Like I came to a dead stop and the thing just popped up next to me and like, looked at me like, what are you doing? Like, who do you think you are? Why'd you just hit me? And then just like swam away, totally unbothered by the whole thing. But I felt so bad. I was like, I'm never foiling again. I almost just heard a turtle. Like, what am I doing? And then I was like, I think that turtle's built to survive a lot more than my little piece of carbon fiber. Yeah, probably pretty big one out there too, I'd, I'd guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you just signed with, or recently signed with Lyft. And how's that going? Like, I love their foils. Are you frothing? It, it's going great. It's been really fun. I think for me, like in the winter months, usually I don't foil quite as much, or I don't like downwind quite as much and do that stuff. It's more like, Sometimes I'll go toe foiling and winging and that sort of thing. And then I signed with Lyft and got all their foils just at the end of winter. And so it was kind of like the perfect storm between me getting like really excited to focus a lot on foiling again. And then also getting all of this new equipment, which I think is like, it was like Christmas. The day it all showed up and I, the packages all arrived. I was like more excited than I've ever been. And so, yeah, like getting to experiment with all of the different tail wings and the front wings and the mast lengths and like where you position on the board. It was so fun. And I've kind of have a couple of my setups like pretty dialed in now. There's definitely still a couple I haven't been able to mess with fully, but it's been amazing. I think for me, like the surf foiling has been really fun. I love doing that. It's translated a lot. Like I used to ride MFC and hydrofoil company wings, and that was a pretty easy kind of jump over. And then now I think one of my favorite parts of like the whole lift foil setup has been the downwinding I've been doing. My go-to downwind setup right now has been the 120 high aspect with the 25 glide tail wing and then the 32 mast. And that has just been a game changer for me. Like, I think like, yeah, definitely over the winter months, I don't do it as much, but then coming into like spring summertime, I've been going nonstop. And that setup has just made me love it so much. Like, I don't think I would have been going as much if it weren't for the foil under my feet. I've been, yeah, I've been in love with that. Honestly might be my favorite setup from all the lift stuff that I've used so far, just because of how fast and how fun it is. I know it's not polite to ask a woman her weight, but, <laughs> you know, my son has been searching for foils for the last two years. He weighs about a hundred pounds and he was on the 120, and that was actually great for him. It was the first foil that kind of had a good glide and speed ratio for him. And then the 90 came out and it was just absolutely game changing. And I assume that it's probably somewhat similar to you where the 120 probably has like a great ratio of glide and speed and pump for everything that you're doing. And the 92 to some extent, I would guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I weigh about like 135. So I'm definitely a little bit heavier than your son is. But yeah, I think He's for me, out, like Andy. probably what, <laughs> gosh, I'm working on it. <laughs> But I think like what he probably found in the 120 is what I feel with the 170 high aspect and what he feels with the 90 is probably what I more feel with the 120. So yeah, but actually I have used the 90 quite a bit. I used a toe foiling randomly one day and loved it. Like the thing, even though it has a ton of lift handles speed so well 
and it is so responsive and turny. So I was really impressed with that. And then I haven't actually tried it down one yet. I've been really tempted a couple times, even though it is small, I've wanted to try it. I thought I was like, maybe I'll take out like my 28 mast on like the windiest day of the year and try it out. Cause I feel like if I had enough speed, I could totally get it up and pumping with my step foil board, but I did use it prone downwinding once just on my little like four, six or four, three down like prone surfboard. And it was super fun. I had the 90 with the 28 mast and then the 25 glide tail wing and it felt really great. So I'm really tempted to try it on a downwind sub run, but I haven't quite worked up and gotten the courage to figure that out yet. I think it's going to be fully possible for you because I know that like Zane Westwood just recorded that one's going to come out. He's done downwind runs on it. I mean, he's a big dude getting up on sup. So I feel like you'll be on that. Yeah. And then I also found with the 90, like it's really fun in the surf too. Like just like, even if you, I toe foiled with it and I've downwinded with it. And then I recently tried it surf foiling too. And it's amazing. So it was really fun to kind of find a wing that I feel like thrives in every single condition. And I found that with the 122. So Mm -hmm. it's been fun that like, if I think for me, like, I'm like, Oh, I want to have a wing for every single different type of condition. Cause it's so fun to be able to like switch them out and play with different combinations. But I think it's really important to have that foil that works with everything just because it's such an easy thing for like the consumer or someone who wants to foil to buy and start off with. So that's what I've found with the 120 and the 90 is that they're just so universal and they kind of work in any sort of condition. Yeah. I, I love the 120 and the surf. It is, you know, if we have surf, that's, I mean, our surf runs so small, but you know, in the chest high range, uh, the 120 is just amazing. As, as long as you have good exit speed on it at my weight, which is like a buck 95, buck 90, it pumps yeah. really well, especially for how small it is. Yeah. I went to like, after I joined left, I went to California a couple, like maybe a month and a half ago or so. And I hung out with like a bunch of the California guys who are all super into foiling. There's like a group of guys, like all my age who are super into it. And it was awesome to see them. Cause I was like riding lift, but I hadn't really like hung out with a lot of people who had all ridden lift and like heard their takes on all of it. I kind of was just figuring it out on my own and then getting to hang out with all of them and see how they ride lift stuff and how they kind of use the different wings and stuff. It was really cool. And it got me super excited too, because yeah, I was watching them like pump the 120 for like 10 minutes straight and not be tired and not come down. I was watching people do that with the 90. So I think that really like motivated me to like see exactly what was possible with it and to know like, okay, like they got this, these guys can do it. I want to try it now and see if I can figure it out too. What kind of tuning feel do you like a lot of front foot, back foot? I mean, lift, tends to, so I think back to the MFCs, they're going to be a little bit more probably front footed than lifted. Mm -hmm. Was that a change for you? Do you like that feel? Have you retuned, moved things forward a little bit to get that more equal footed feel on lift? I moved things forward a little bit, but honestly, not by that much. I definitely, with the MFCs, there was a lot of front footed power. I think it was just more because of that low aspect. It was more of like a fully engaged pump. And then when I did transition to the lift foils, yeah, I have a pretty like, like skinny stance most of the time, especially in like the downwinding and stuff. And so I found that it was really nice because with the lift foils, I just pump with my back foot pretty much the whole time, unless I am like really trying and putting a lot of effort in for the most part, all it takes is that back foot pump. And I actually love transitioning over to that because I feel like it 
it saves you a lot of energy and effort. And it's kind of like easier for you to like, instead of having to like put your whole body weight over your front leg and really put work into it, you can keep your shoulders back and really be like aware of your surroundings and where you're going. So I loved kind of figuring out how to switch over my riding style to fit the lift foil setups. Yeah. I actually really like your stance. The, I think that's where things are evolving to in foiling right now. I think that you're way ahead of the curve. (laughs) And I think that time on foil is what gets people there. And I've noticed that since I've been downwinding and winging a lot, and I don't wing in straps that Mm -hmm. my stance just continues to get narrower and narrower. And I get more comfortable in dealing with, you know, all the nuance that's involved with a narrower stance because obviously smaller base and the whole thing. Do you think that downwinding has helped kind of guide the way that you're foiling right now? What's the biggest, I guess, what's the biggest influence in how your, like your stance style has evolved? Yeah, I definitely think that the downwinding has played a pretty big role into it. Cause when you, when I go out and I surf foil, like you're up on foil for a good amount of time, but you do spend a lot of time, like, you know, positioning yourself, catching waves, unless you're caned to wild Katie Mally and you just pump for like 30 minutes. Down and, but I can't do that right now. But I think for me, like the downwinding played such a big role just because yeah, once I pop up on foil at Maliko, I'm up and foiling the entire time. And so it does give you a lot of time to like move your feet around and find that comfortable position. And I think like with the surf foiling, people kind of pop up and they're really conscious about like, okay, I'm going to put my front foot there and my back foot goes there and you kind of are aware of it. But with the downwinding, like eventually I pop up and like, of course I'm kind of like, okay, I put my feet here and here, but pretty like frequently and like early in the downwinder, I usually just kind of like fall into a rhythm and my feet and body kind of just position themselves in a way that feels comfortable to me. It's not really like a conscious thing I'm doing. It's just, okay. Like this is what feels good. This is what's going to like make my legs comfortable that they're not like spread super wide over the board. And so I definitely think the downwinding kind of just like glued that into my muscle memory. That's always where I'm going to stand. And this is how I'm going to go. And then it also really helped. I think when I was catching like on really good downwind days and I get like really big bumps and catch a lot of speed and go really fast. That's what also helped me kind of like figure out like how to be comfortable, even though I am my stance is like a little bit skinnier, how to really like be prepared for that, like to react to like a really quick decision you have to make and to like make sure your foil doesn't pop out of the water. And so I think, yeah, being on downwinders, you can just get so much foiling under your belt in such a short amount of time that it really encourages kind of figuring out your natural stance and what's going to work for you. Yeah. So in downwinding and riding like Dave Lama hooked me up with the, one of his boards, a six, four. I love it. Thank you, Dave. And it's so much easier to move around on the board when the board is a little bit heavier, right? You know, you've got a little bit more inertia from the board. So your feet aren't quite as locked in. And I've made some really light prone boards. And my last one that I just made is a couple pounds heavier. And I'm mm-hmm. finding that it is opening up more movement easier movement in different places on the wave for my feet. And I'm actually really enjoying it. I don't know what the right weight, this one's a little bit too heavy, but I think there's going to be a right weight that will allow that and then still be incredibly whippy when you want it to be. Um, Yeah. I definitely feel like on like those really light boards, like feet positioning is everything. Like if it's so crucial, there's one sweet spot where you can put your feet. And if it's, if they're not there, then you're definitely going to feel that in your riding and you might be kind of hindered from like fully being able to like, you know, ride the board to its fullest potential. Yeah. So you're on Maui and the crew there downwind 
prone winging is insane. When you're looking around at the landscape of local talent, who's really impressing you right now? Oh, there's a bunch. Actually, I'd say like, I mean, he's one of my heroes in general, but Dave Kalama has been blowing my mind recently. I usually go downwind with the Spencer brothers, Jeffrey and Finn Spencer, and they were gone for about a month and a half recently. And so I was downwinding by myself most of the time, or I recently did a couple downwinders with Dave Kalama and his whole crew. There's like a group of like four or five of them. And they're honestly some of my favorite people. They're so cool and sweet. Andrea Moeller, she's amazing. She's one of them. There's like a group of really cool guys that all came into foiling from like the downwind world of like OC, like one man canoe paddling, and then kind of like separate sub race board paddling like back in the day. And so getting to go with all those guys recently and watch them has been amazing. I get to see Dave and a guy named Jeremy Riggs. who I'm sure maybe you've talked to before. He's super, super cool. I get to watch them paddle out from Malika with their little hand planes and paddle themselves up without a paddle, which is amazing. And then Dave is just so unbelievably fast. It's really fun to kind of get to like chase him down the coast. And I'm nowhere close to his speed, but it's super cool to kind of get to see that in person. Cause I honestly hadn't spent a lot of time down when foiling with that whole group, but in the past, like two or three weeks, I've done a couple runs with them and it's been so fun to kind of go with them and have the crew of people on the water. Cause I think I love going alone. Cause it's definitely like, it clears my head and it's really amazing to be just like you and the ocean. But at the same time, like eventually I do get lonely and being with like a big group of people that are just so stoked on life and on foiling is so fun because you're cheering each other on and like you kind of just like go in between each other on bumps and all this stuff. So it's been really fun to go with them. And then I think in terms of like winging and all that stuff, I've been loving watching like Ridge Lenny and Jeffrey and Finn Spencer do all of their crazy flips. They're motivating me to get my act together and figure that stuff out. And then, yeah, there's like, there's a lot of really amazing foilers and I've loved to see, there've been a lot of female foilers I've seen really like getting into it here too. And I love that. Like for a while I was the only girl who was downwinding on Maui. And now there's like a handful of like four or five of us who are amazing. And it's so fun to be out in the water with them. So I'm super inspired by them too, I think, because I'm like, okay, like I want to have like a really cool girl crew to go out in the water with too. So I'm excited for that to kind of come together, hopefully. I think that's rad. And I've seen that now in downwinding and in winging, where it seems like there's a lot more female athletes in those sports than there are in prone or sup foiling. Why do you think that? I mean, do you think that's accurate? And then why do you think that is? Yeah, I do think that's accurate. And honestly, I don't totally know why that's a thing. I wish I could completely guess. I think maybe my one guess would be, I think like I've seen like a lot of really like talented female foilers in like the Europe area. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of like the wind sports in Europe are uh, people are kind of transitioning over to winging. So maybe my guess is like, maybe it has something to do with that. Like there's less waves for people to foil in Europe or something. And so people have been more into the winging side of things, but honestly, I don't totally know, but I totally agree with what you're saying. And I'm hoping that as females kind of get into like the winging and the downwinding side of things, they realize like there's whole other worlds in the foiling world. Like if you do get into the waves with the prone board and stuff, but I wish I could completely like pinpoint why that is, but I do recognize that for sure. You know, I think it's going to happen is that wherever you get into foiling, this is my experience. It doesn't matter where you start, but sooner or later you want to do everything. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I never thought I was going to be a wing guy. Like a year and a half ago, I was like hating on the wing pretty much. And yeah. 
you know, it's just more time on foil, which I guess that's the true addiction. No, it's true. Yeah. I think like for me, when foiling first came out, I looked at it. I was like, what are these guys doing? Like they look insane. And then I tried it and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't look how, I don't care how crazy I look. This is so fun. And then kind of as yeah, like each thing has happened and progressed, like First, it was the surf foiling, and then the downwinding kind of came out. And then, yeah, the wing came out. And I looked at the wing, and I was like, this thing looks so weird. Like, I don't totally understand how it works. It just looks like a, the weird, ugly cousin, like, of windsurfing and kiting type of thing. And then you try it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever. It opens so many doors, and it gives you so many opportunities to do things that you couldn't do on a foil, first of all. And so, yeah, I think, like for me, it's definitely like that. You like, you can't really judge a book by its cover when it comes to this sport. You have to go out there and try it because honestly, once you get it under your feet and once you get it like into your hands, it's just going to completely hook you and there's no going back. It's been interesting to me to see the uptake of the sport in different areas and like the growth rates where in Florida, which is a spot that I think if there's ever an argument for foiling, it's here because our waves are terrible and the foil <laughs> surf is actually incredibly good, but it's a very closed minded surf community and it's a relatively small crew. I mean, most of the guys who are into it now are not necessarily coming from, you know, shortboard backgrounds. And I just don't understand where it seems like other spots, like even California seems to be more open-minded to it than I feel like Florida is. And then obviously Maui and some of the islands, it's just like taking over. Yeah, no, I've noticed that too. I've never been to Florida, so I would love to one day come and hang out with you guys and see what exactly you're working with because it sounds like it's a super fun area. But I did notice that a little bit in California, like how it does seem like there's a pretty big like line between the surfers and the foilers still. And for me, like I predominantly foil in like in Maui especially and in all of Hawaii but I think like here there's so many people that do both like a lot of my good friends they go foil when it's bad and then when it's good they go surf and then I think it's also cool because on Maui especially there's a lot of waves that were untouched by surfers like a surfer would never paddle out to this wave and now it's just been taken over by foilers and then what I saw in California is it looks like there's like a mix like there's a lot of people that go longboarding at these waves and then the foilers paddle out. And so I thought it was kind of interesting because I was like, I feel like it, there should be like a harmonious kind of just like people enjoying the waves together type of thing. But I definitely felt like a little bit of hostility towards like weird people with blades under your boards. What are you doing out here? So I'm kind of curious to see like if that will change ever and if people's mentalities will shift or if it's going to be like that. It's kind of just like a divided line but I think like those people should look at what's happening and yeah. And like a place like, like Maui or something like that. Or honestly, I see it a lot like in Tahiti and stuff. I feel like some of the best surfers I see in Tahiti go out and then, then they go and downwind on a foil or something. So I feel like they kind of need to look at like the world's best water athletes and see what they're doing and notice that like, although you might think it's kooky, there's a lot of really talented athletes out there doing it. How many guys and girls on the world tour right now do you think are open or closet foilers? Oh gosh, I think there's quite a bit. I actually haven't seen as many girls. I know Lakey Peterson rips on a foil, but like a lot of the guys I've seen, like John and Nathan and those guys are amazing over on the North Shore of Oahu. All the videos I see of them ripping. I know Michelle Berez, he, I've seen videos of him like ripping on a foil and downwinding and stuff. And I think there's like a big group of them just because 
eventually I think you get really tired of being stuck in a place with bad surf that your mind kind of goes to other places. And then inevitably it's like, okay, well, that next step is to like bust out the foil and have so much more fun than you would if you were just groveling out on like a little shortboard and knee high surf. And competing with a hundred other guys who want to do that or. Exactly. Yeah. I think for them, probably like for them, surfing is it's a job and for the people in the CT and I know that they love it, but I think the foiling might kind of open up like a whole other door. It's like, there's no pressure. They can just go out there and enjoy the ocean and really like, I don't know, for me, I kind of thought about, it. I was like, maybe it makes them like love being in the ocean all over again. Cause it just, it brings out that like little kid's sense of satisfaction in them where it's like, there's no pressure. There's no expectations. They're just out there in the water doing something that they love, which is being in the waves and being kind of just in that environment. Yeah. I had this thought the other day as I was paddling out on to a downwind run and it was, you know, throughout my whole journey in surfing, which is, I don't know, 30, 25, 30 years at this point, there's always been a sense that it's going to be more crowded, you know, like everywhere I've been, you know, there's never been a lineup that's like less crowded now than it was before. And I felt incredibly relieved because I was thinking, I don't think that it, there's ever a chance that it's going to be crowded when you go out for a downwind run. I think it's like the only surf sport to where it's going to be like this kind of forever. And that was just so exciting and liberating that there's no scarcity involved in it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, yeah, when you live on the coast, there is eventually going to be not enough surf breaks for everybody. But I think, yeah, like now that you mentioned with the downwinding, it's like there's a whole open ocean out there for you to go out there and enjoy and to utilize. And it's going to be very difficult for that to ever fully fill up. And so, yeah, I think that is kind of the beauty of foiling a lot of the time. Like you're not worried like, oh gosh, I got to go sit in the lineup with like 30 other guys and we're going to have to like, you know, and there's going to be like weird, like vibes and it's not going to be a really comfortable environment. But I think with the foiling, it's like the opposite of that. Like you're out there and surf. And if someone comes and paddles up to you and you get to sit with them, it's like super fun because you get to talk story and share waves and all this stuff. So, and then especially with the downwinding, like when you're out there and when you're out there with other people, it's even better. I feel like just because you're sharing that experience and it's never like that worry of like, gosh, like I have to go and like be around these people. It's kind of like a, yay. Like I get to go and experience this with people out in the water in the place that we love. Yeah. And even if you go out with someone generally after 10 minutes or a half mile apart, you know, like, yeah, no, that's also the crazy part. I've done channel crossings before just on my like normal sub race board when I used to paddle a little bit more and I didn't have an escort boat or anything, but I started off, I think with like 300 plus paddlers and it was a 28 mile race. And within like the first hour I was alone. Like I didn't see a single person for 20 miles of that race, which is also the beauty of it. Like no matter how hard you try, you're probably going to be alone at some point in your run, which I guess is where you just have to feel confident with yourself and your abilities and know that you're kind of just out there, just you and your board under your feet. So you're doing a lot of downwind runs in, you know, big open kind of heavy, you know, open ocean conditions. What are you doing for safety? Anything? For me, for safety, I mean, I wear a leash okay. all the time. I think like for me, it's just, I know that there are people that don't wear a leash and I'm like, I can swim. And I'm like, okay, swim in then if you want to. But for me, it just makes me feel comfortable, at least on my sup downwind board. That's what I do. Just because whenever I go alone, like I think it's, it's asking for trouble if you don't have a leash on. And then in terms of safety, I honestly, I think I need to do more now that I've been going to Dave Kalama and those guys more, they are prepared. Like they go out there and they wear their like orange, like shirts and stuff. So they're really easy to see from afar. And 
Dave brings a mallet with him and I asked him why. And he said, he's like, well, I did bring a knife, but I figured if I got attacked by a shark or something, I'd probably end up cutting myself along with the shark. And then it'd just be a bloodbath. And he's like, so instead I bring a mallet with me so I can hit the shark. And I was like, oh gosh, I didn't even think of that. That sounds terrifying. So I don't know, maybe I'll start bringing a mallet with me. I'm not totally sure, but Yeah. Usually for me, like the only safety I have is I wear a leash. And then of course I let people know when I'm out on the water and I'd say like, Hey, like if you don't hear from me in two hours or something, just know like something might've happened. Like, I just want to give you a heads up type of thing. But I definitely think that there's more stuff that I can do to kind of prevent disaster and to just be aware. And I think like when you are going with friends, it's a little bit different because they do keep an eye on you and stuff, but it's an important thing to be aware of for sure. Yeah, I wear a leash always. <clears throat> I lost a, a board in a shore runner one day after a couple mile run. And it was like a chest high, you know, it wasn't a heavy day or anything like that, but you know, a good wind and but enough wind and enough where it was a prone board, I couldn't get back to it. And I swam after like, you know, a solid, I don't know, 10 minute run or something, super high heart rate, really tired. I swam for like four blocks, not being able to get my board. Oh gosh! Finally just swam to the beach. I was like, this is terrible. I'm like going to drown in chest high surf. (laughs) I swam to the beach and then just ran down the beach and got my board back. But after that day, I always wear a leash just because I saw how quickly it went wrong. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like you start something and you're like, I got this. Like, I'm never going to fall. It's me. I know what I'm doing, whatever. And then yeah, something happens that's out of your control. And all of a sudden you're a mile out to sea in deep water and you don't have a board to float you. I have actually, sometimes there were a couple situations where I didn't wear a leash when I was doing last summer, I was doing a lot of like prone foil downwinders where I'd start from Hokipa, which is like my favorite surf spot in the winter time. And then I'd go with like usually like Jeffrey and Finn or like Ridge Lenny or a couple of couple other people. And we'd all start together. And those were a couple of times where I didn't wear a leash. Cause I was like, Oh, it's going to drag. I don't want to do that. But we did have the, the buddy system where it was like, okay, well, if one of us falls, then someone else is going to have to come down with them and paddle in with them. So I guess that's also a theory you can have. It's just like, stay really close to your one person. And if they come down, it's your job to kind of go down with them and make sure they're okay. <laughs> that's terrible. You yeah, feel so it's not bad. an ideal situation for sure. <laughs> yeah. I always wear an iWatch too, an Apple Watch, just so I can make phone mm. calls if I needed to. Um, that's, yeah, that's smart. I have an Apple Watch, but it's not one of the cellular ones. But I've been considering buying one because I'm like, that would be really nice if I end up stranded. The one thing about Maui, which is nice though, is honestly, if, if you do end up stranded and have to like swim in like halfway through your run or something and knock on wood, I probably just jinx myself saying this, but I haven't had to do that yet. Um, But I think like the nice thing is if you're like walking down the road with the foil, someone's probably eventually going to drive by and recognize you and be like, what are you doing? Do you need a ride somewhere? So it's kind of nice that like the local community here is pretty like close where someone will see you and be like, Annie, why are you walking on the side of the road barefooted in a bathing suit? Like, let me give you a ride to your car type of thing, which is nice. Um, How long is that Maliko run? I know Dave's told me, but I don't remember. Maliko to the Harbor, the full run is probably like just under 10 miles. And if you're foiling and you're zigzagging a lot and you're chasing bumps, you can probably like on your watch, it'll probably add up to 10 miles. But I think like straight shot point A to point B, it's probably like 9.8 around that. All right, let's switch gears. What are your plans, objectives, ambitions The last time we talked, we touched on it and you were like, I'm just going to kind of see where this whole thing goes. You've had an incredible year. Has that changed what your goalposts have they changed? 
I mean, I think my goals are probably, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I think they're probably similar for me, like in terms of the sports I do and what I'm doing right now, like, I don't want to change that. I want to be perceived and known as the best water woman in the world. And I'm still working on that. I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I'm anywhere close, but this winter was really encouraging. Cause I think it really like made me confident in that saying like, okay, like, you know, in the big wave side of things, like you are starting to become one of the better females out in the lineup. And of course I still have a long way to go with that too. But I think goal wise, like I have a lot of goals in each of this, every one of the sports that I do in the big wave surfing, I want to win the jobs contest, which will hopefully happen next winter. I want to get barreled. I want to travel to Mavericks and Nazare and surf different types of waves. I think in the foiling side of things, I really want to push all of it. I really want to this summer do some longer runs between islands potentially so I'm really excited about that. I want to continue to kind of progress in the surf foiling and the winging side of things. It's been amazing to watch all of the guys like in Europe and honestly in Hawaii to do all of like the crazy wing tricks. So I really want to figure that out and maybe go and compete in a wing event or two. And then I think like all in all, there's other sports that I do too. And I think it's just continue to like hopefully motivate and inspire guys and specifically females to get out in the water. And just because, you know, you don't see many people doing it around you doesn't mean that it's not something that you can go out there and enjoy. So yeah, I think there's like a lot of ideas and things in my head that I'm excited to continue to pursue and then kind of hopefully eventually get the sponsorship to come behind that. I'm really grateful to be supported by Lyft and by KT Surfing and a couple other smaller brands. So I'm kind of excited to continue pursuing bigger opportunities too and see where that takes me. I would be surprised if you don't have a great contract in the next year or so based on, you know, your trajectory right now. How do you approach training out of the water? I recently have been really loving it, actually. I think for a while I was not against it, but it definitely in my head was like, I don't need that. Like I spend so much time in the ocean that I can really get everything I need out of like, you know, in terms of training my body from being in the water. But I found recently that I think a huge part of preparing yourself for being in the water is all out of the water. Um, I think when I was younger, I was kind of built like a rubber band where everything was like, Oh, like, you know, you've been that back too far. Cool. It just snaps in the place and you're fine. Like, and recently I've had more things where I'm like, okay, like I think I really need to be cautious and kind of just aware of my body and where it is. And if something hurts or it doesn't feel right to like really know like how to react to that and make it feel good. And I have a gym in Maui that I go to called deep relief and it's super cool because the lady, Samantha Campbell, who runs it, she deals with the best athletes on Maui, honestly. Like all the water athletes that I've grown up looking up to all go to that gym. Like I you know Ian Walsh goes there. I go and work out with him constantly. Paige Alms, Ty Lenny, Travis Rice, the famous snowboarder, goes there all the time. So it's really cool to be in that type of environment. But she keeps an amazing eye on me and my body and how I'm feeling and kind of just makes sure that I'm prepared to go out there and do what I need to do in the water. So I think that's been like a really important thing that I've been focusing on the past year is to really like recognize not injuries, but like potential injuries and know how to like train and strengthen those areas so that I can prevent any further issues in the future. And I think in terms of like cardio and all that stuff, I love to run weird. Well, okay. I don't love to run, but I do it a lot. It's kind of like a love hate relationship. Like in the moment I semi enjoy myself. I kind of feel like I'm going to pass out and just like fall asleep on the pavement but then afterwards, like the feeling I get from doing it is amazing. And that's what brings me back to do more. And then I've also been getting into mountain biking. I've been doing it for about like two years now, kind of like mid COVID was where I picked it up. 
but I've been loving it. Like, it's really fun. We have some great trails up in Maui. And so it's an amazing workout because we'll bike up the mountain and then turn around and we have some like really fun trail, like trails and getting to do jumps and that kind of thing is it's a fun way to get an adrenaline rush in the summer if there's no wind and no waves. So it's been fun to kind of experiment with all of that too. One thing that always jumps out when, you know, the last conversation and now this one is I feel like you're so sound in your goals mentally. Do you do anything on the mental side for training? I think I don't do like quite as much as I should. Honestly, I think like I'm constantly thinking about the goals that I have and the ways that I can achieve them and just trying to encourage myself mentally as much as I can. For me, I find that one of the best ways I can just kind of be mentally sound is in the types of like meditation that I do. And it's not like meditation, like, you know, sitting down and deep breathing, although that does work and sounds amazing for some people. But for me, like being in the ocean is my meditation. And then on land, I do have some other sorts of meditation that just really make me feel like good and make me relax. And I think just really like give my head like a place to clear itself and work everything out. And for me, that's drawing. I've always loved to draw like since I was little, but recently I've over the past like three or four years, I've gotten more and more into it. And I think like, that's honestly one of the places that I like feel most comfortable is when I'm like at my desk or I have a surfboard in front of me and I can just kind of draw and create whatever I want. And I think that's helped me a lot because there's like nothing else really going on. And I can just like sit there and really think about like what I'm putting on this piece of paper or on this canvas in front of me. And then also like, okay, I'm doing this, but like, let's also just think about like my life and like what I'm doing and my goals and all this stuff. So it's nice to have like moments like that, where you can take a step back and really focus on anything you want to focus on, which has been fun to kind of mess with. So in mentioning drawing there and the mental state of it, it made me think of, I like to dive into flow a lot. And I think we discussed a little bit of flow on the last show, but Stephen Kotler and, you know, the OG of flow was Mihaly, Chicks and Mihaly. They both mm-hmm. equate, you know, the sports that we do in the water and, you know, big wave surfing is a whole nother level of that to a very similar mental state as, you know, music and drawing it. And that's something that I don't know if I play a lot of music and that's something that I don't know if I've ever agreed with. I think that when you're in those consequential states, spaces in, in the water or, you know, Red Bull athletes and whatever they do. I think that's a a different place. How would you think about the state of mental relaxation, as you described it, of drawing versus big waves? Are they similar to you or, or are they different? Do you think that, you know, Kotler is accurate in that? I don't honestly completely know. I think I don't think that they're similar for me, honestly, because I think like when I am in the setting of being in big waves, like I almost think of it like there's nothing on my mind, but being in the moment and focusing on what I'm doing. And then I think with drawing, that's definitely part of it. Like I love being in the moment and just focusing on the little tiny details that I'm putting on this piece of paper. But at the same time, I think it's also like a really great time for me to relax and really think about like other things and just kind of, it gives me like a clear headspace where I can identify these other things too. So I don't, I kind of, I think agree with you more in that sense of like, I do find a flow state when I'm in the water. And honestly, sometimes I do find that flow state when I'm drawing and 
But I think it also just depends on like my headspace in that moment. Like whether it's like, I'm just going to like sit here and focus on exactly what I'm doing right in front of me. Or if it's like, okay, like I have this little bit of time where I'm creating something like, let me like see where my mind drifts and think of the ideas and anything I really want to. So I think it varies for me. I kind of might touch on both of those different sides of it. Just depends on the day and depends on where I am. When you're downwinding, staying on this flow theme, I find it such an interesting sport in that it requires such focus for such a long duration that I tend to go through, like I oscillate between being really tapped in and completely mindless, just every decision is right. I just, I'm not thinking about anything to almost popping out of it. Like I'm downwinding right now. And then I look back down at the ocean or where I am and everything seems foreign. I have to figure out where I am again. I usually like lose energy right then, spend some time pumping to find the next bump and then to get mindless again. Do you ever find situations like that happening when you're doing the longer runs? I definitely do. Yeah. I think there are moments where like the only thing I'm focusing on is what's right in front of me. Like I'm looking ahead and I'm reading the bumps and I'm noticing little fish next to me and like the weird patterns in the water and where my path is going and like what, where I'm going to go in the ocean. And then other times, like, I think it also just depends on the run that I'm doing specifically. Like if I'm going to go fast and I'm with people and I want to like beat them and I want to go fast and I want to race them, I think I'll definitely be more kind of just like aware and on, and I won't really let my mind drift or anything, but I do have runs where I'll be going alone. And maybe I'm just kind of doing like a cruisy run where I'm just going to go out there and enjoy this time that I'm on the water And it is funny. And maybe this is something I need to work on, but I do kind of enjoy it. It's just like letting my mind drift and think of things. And like, sometimes I'll be like so deep in a conversation with myself, just like literally in my head, just like thinking of something super random. And I don't even realize that I'm on the water downwinding and then I'll come to and snap back into it. And it's kind of like that thing. I feel like people have it when they're driving. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're driving from point A to point B, And you don't really like remember what you just drove through. You're like, I just completely like erased that part of what happened. Like I didn't totally recognize driving through that stop sign or like driving through that stoplight. And I know I stopped and I know I waited and all this stuff, but it doesn't really completely like internalize in your mind. And so I found that a couple of times with downwinding, which is like a really weird sensation where my body is just so comfortable in the state that it's in. And it's kind of able to like operate on autopilot as my mind is just like off in this other place where I'm thinking of things that are completely different. Um, and so I have kind of felt what you said, like, it's like a weird thing where you come to again and you're like, wow, I'm out in the water doing this thing. And I was just thinking of something totally different. And so I think for me, like part of the time, I love to be in that, like, meditation state where it's like my mind is clear. I'm thinking of where I am. I'm being present. And then other times I do love to kind of let the ocean be my place where I can really like work through any things that I'm feeling and just kind of let my mind drift to wherever it wants to go. Yeah. I I tend to find myself in those kind of mindless states and then have a thought of like, where am I along the beach right now? (laughs) generally that's when I come off foil or like, Oh, this is going to be a PR. And as soon as I think that it's, it seems like it's over. Yeah. I have a hard time because a lot of the times, like the way that our runs work is that it's a little bit easier to work yourself farther offshore 
that dangerous game. <laughs> yeah. And so then I, I find myself like, uh Oh, I, sometimes I'll pass the pier and I'll look back and I'm like, Oh, I'm way outside the pier right now. Cause it's like one of the places where you can really tell where you are in the water. And then that, then as soon as I realize that, then my chances of falling go up like 10 X easy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if it's awesome. Cause yeah, it usually means that I'm in for a longer day. But it definitely is like, that adds to, I feel like it's awesome because it like adds to that adventure sense of it where you're like, oh no, I need to like make up for the mistake I just made. And I need to see if I can figure this out without, yeah, having to swim in for an hour straight. Yeah. And I'm still a pretty big kook on the downwind stuff too. Like I've only been doing it for a few months at this point, but I'm just hooked. No, it's the best feeling. Like for me, I think there are things that when I do them consistently over and over again, they can feel like repetitive. And like in the downwinding, if you look at it, it seems like it might be repetitive. If you kind of just like look at what it is like, okay, you go from point A to point B and like, that's all it is really. But I think when you like really dive into exactly what it is, like I've been doing it for a couple of years. And before that I was doing like race board downwinders without a foil and I don't grow tired of it like at all, just because I think, out there, the ocean is so different every time you're out there. And if you're able to recognize those little changes in patterns and changes in wind, it'll always keep you so entertained. Like some days I feel like there's more current and then there's other wind days and like there's weird directions. And so I think if you're kind of able to recognize those things and really like tap into what's going on around you, you're never going to get tired of it because there's always going to be something cool and new to focus on. Yeah. You know, I love like what I call like Zen games. So I like to drive and whether it's, you know, racing or, you know, just driving on a trip, like I like to see the amount of like the, to do it in like the least amount of input possible. Mm -hmm. And I find the same thing in downwinding where I really enjoy the game of, I'm going to see if I can basically just not pump for the next minute or two and just do everything on decisions and playing the game of, you know, just doing everything as correct as possible for the max amount of efficiency. That's kind of my, I don't know, the thing I've been focused on a lot lately. And also I feel like I have terrible cardio, so it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> I like it when like, what I look at actually at the end of downward runs to see if they're a success or not is my average heart rate. And yeah. I the other day that was like average heart rate was like a buck 17, which is really low for me. And I was so frothy. Like two days later, it was like average heart rate a buck 60. <laughs> that's actually really funny that you mentioned that because I've had a couple runs over the past like few months that I've focused on that a lot, kind of like letting my, like my knowledge of the bumps do everything for me and trying my best not to get myself in a situation where I have to pump out of it. And it's been really fun. I've had a couple runs over the past, over the past week, actually specifically that I really did that. And I kind of found that like flow where I could just go and I didn't have to pump out of it. And I think it's definitely large part because the Maui conditions have been all time recently. So it's a lot easier to do when you have like, you know, huge bumps rolling and it's new, like there's 40 knots of wind at your back. But I have found that a lot where I'm kind of just able to like surf the bumps completely and you don't have to use your legs at all. And I think it's fun in a way because it's like, wow, I just cheated the system and didn't have to do any work for the past mile of foiling. But at the same time, I'm like, that was really easy. Like I kind of need to like pump more and get a good workout in too. But I've totally found that it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Cause I've been like focusing on that a lot. And I never used to do that. It was kind of always like when I go with people, I'd be like slower and I'd be like, okay, like I have to put it all in. Cause I want to be semi fast. So these people don't have to wait for me. 
And with the foils that I'm on now, I've been just really just cruising and kind of enjoying like learning to ride them and not necessarily like learning how to pump them, but learning how to ride them, like learning how they respond to being turned in certain ways and all that stuff and how I can utilize the energy I get out of that to allow me to not have to pump to use all of my energy. And I think that kind of thing is really fun to mess with. Cause like when it comes to doing longer runs, like what James Casey just did, or like doing an Molokai to Oahu, like, I think that'll really be helpful and come into play when it's all about like conserving energy and stuff. And we have this knowledge of like, okay, like this is how you do it. If all you want to do is just read these bumps, you don't need to use your legs type of thing. What James just did, I think about almost every day and it just blows my mind. I mean, at one point, Zane was on the boat, Zane Westwood, and we were talking on the show, which will come out pretty soon here. And his middle run of the day was four hours on foil without coming off. And in the entire, I guess, 11 hours, he only fell twice. And I just oh my wrap my mind around that. Uh, for me, like, I didn't actually know that he was going to do that until he was doing it. Or I think I saw it, like, he announced it maybe, like, a couple days before and I didn't fully like comprehend exactly what he was going out there to do. You know, I saw it and I was like, wow, like James, you're crazy. Like he's always been a, like completely amazing. I think I knew him before when he was into the sub stuff and he was so talented in that too. And just, you know, so above and beyond. And so when I saw that he was going to do this, I was like, okay, like that doesn't surprise me. He's like, he's pretty impressive in that realm, but I didn't totally realize like exactly what he was going out there to do. And watching like the live videos and seeing all the stuff that they were posting, I was blown away. And now, now every time I paddle out there to do a downwinder, I'm like, okay, you did 10 miles. Imagine what James did, like put yourself in his shoes. And honestly, like when I was watching the videos, the bumps that he was dealing with were good, but most of them were pretty small. And the fact that he was able to do that for so long and handle that, like the conditions weren't all time. So I'm so impressed that he was able to do that. And it motivates me. I don't know to go about as far as he did, but to, to kind of experiment with longer runs and really just get into pushing the limits of how far I can go on a foil. Yeah. I think it's going to be really fun to watch the space over the next couple of years as I mean, obviously James leading the way, it's going to be hard for anyone to, to top that for a while. I think Yeah, he'll probably be the next one to top it, but yeah. And he, when he started, it was like a, I think like almost an hour of really meager bumps where he was basically just pumping almost for an hour. Like I'd be done and be just smoked at the end of that. Yeah. I don't know how he did that. I'm so blown away. And I think, is there an edit out or are they about to put an edit out or something that's kind of like a more in-depth look at that, but I can't wait to like, really like hear him talk about it and kind of get into his head and like, see how he was feeling. Cause I know when I did Molokai to Oahu, like that was 32 miles. And I think at the time, like that was like, one of the longer distances that people had foiled downwinded. And so I was like, wow, like 32 miles is really far. Like this is going to be crazy. And for me, like in my head, I was definitely worried, like, can I make it? Am I going to be able to do this? And there are good conditions. And so for him, like doing that in subpar conditions where he's having to like pump the first hour alone, is just amazing. So I'd really love to hear like all of the different kind of like mentalities and headspaces he went through. Like if he questioned himself at all, if he was like worried, he wasn't going to be able to do that. So I'm excited to yeah get more kind of like he, information about how he was feeling. I'm sure it'll come out before this is out, but I know that he is doing a show, I think with Marcus Trudeau on his podcast where he's going to talk about the whole experience, which is going to be great. Everybody. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. What else you want to touch on? We've got a little bit more time. Anything we miss? 
Oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, I guess sky's the limit at this point, but nothing really comes to mind right now. You going to Hood River? I don't, I'm not actually totally sure. I really want to. They changed it to the end of July, correct? I don't know. Is that the race? There is, yeah. So there is a race that it's like, I think it's the Gorge Paddle Challenge that I've done. I've actually never foiled it, but I've done in past years just on like a sup race board. And I'd love to go to that. We'll see. But I really want to make a trip out there no matter what, even if it's not for that event. I love that place. And I have foiled down one there a little bit and I winged there a little bit, but the conditions weren't amazing either time I was there. It was more in the late season, so the wind was a little bit more sketchy. So I'd really love to go back there when the conditions are all time because I've I've an argument going on with Matt Elsasser, who's kind of like my Lyft athlete manager in a way. He's the one that got me involved with Lyft. But uh, he claims that Hood River is better for downwinding, and I claim that Maui is better for downwinding. And we've kind of had this like ongoing joke. We're trying to figure out which one's better. So I'd love to go there and truly figure out which place I think is better in terms of uh, conditions. <laughs> Um, TJ, I, I do a lot of stuff with big wins and yeah. he is saying that it's just all time out there. And actually Dave Kalama keeps telling me that's the trip that I need to do. I don't think I'm going to be able to go until August though. And I'm hoping that's not too late. Yeah. I think wind wise, like you can either get really lucky or you just get completely screwed. So I'm not totally sure. Hopefully you'll get good conditions. Well, this has been awesome, Annie. I really appreciate you coming back on. I would love to have more women on the show, but I, and I reach out a lot and it seems like everybody's kind of shy. I appreciate you doing it. And if you think there are other amazing female athletes that would like in the foiling space or the surf space to come on, please send them my way. And I think you mentioned Andre, I think Dave said that she would be a great guest too. Yeah. He actually, I was with the two of them the other day and he mentioned to her that he was like, yeah, like, there's this really cool guy named Eric and he does this podcast. And I mentioned him to you and she's like, Oh, I'd love to do that. So I'm going to give her a hard time about that too. Cause I really love to hear her talk about like the foiling that she does and just like the rest of her amazing life. Like she's one of the coolest people I know. So she would be a really cool person I think to talk to. Oh, and another note before we hop off, you recently did a great friend of mine's podcast, Emily's, and it's a very different conversation, but I think it would be valuable for anyone who wants to get a little bit, learn from you in a different way. So I'm sure you have links to that on your Instagram. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Talking to her was so cool. Cause I think like hearing kind of insights from her, like amazing career and her life was so special. And then getting to talk to her, like someone who's not really involved in any of the worlds that we're involved in, but getting to kind of like share and bond over still these like similar feelings that we have over the sports that we do was really cool. And then all of the other podcasts she did with her other guests were really special too. So yeah, if you guys want to listen to me talk more, you can check that out. (laughs) Emily Kwok is a multiple time world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I've spent a decent amount of time with her over the last few years and just incredibly like inspirational human. And then she started a podcast on thing and kind of like the difficulties of mastery and the journey, what it takes to be the best in the world at stuff. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was, she's really cool. It was really inspiring to talk to her. So it was an awesome opportunity. Cool. Well, what do you want to leave folks with? I think thank you, first of all, for listening to me talk. And thank you, Eric, for having me back on here because this was really fun and this was awesome. And I hope that the stuff that I said got people excited and inspired people more to get back out on the water. Um, 
And yeah, thank you guys. This is awesome. And I hope that maybe next year I will do more exciting stuff and I can come back on here and we can talk again and kind of talk more through all the things we've already discussed. Yeah. Well, you have an open invite anytime there's something interesting stories or whatever, or like multiple person shows. If you think there's other people that would be fun to have on as groups, I think I'm going to start doing a little bit more of that too. Oh yeah. That would be awesome. We should definitely do that at some point. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I think this was a great one. Yeah. Thanks so much, Eric. This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.